welcome to Tea and Strumpets, a Regency Romance Review. I'm Zoe. And I'm Kelsey. And Kelsey, I wanted to say happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) It is Kelsey's birthday the day after we are recording this. Um, So it'll be a few, the day before this episode airs. Yeah, I'm 30 years old now. Woohoo! It's a big one. Welcome to the 30 year old club. Yeah. It's a great decade. I'm ready for it. I'm not one of those people that's dreading it. I'm ready it. I'm facing it head on. We're doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's literally just a number. And yeah. <laughs> uh, it's one that I've been enjoying. So can't complain from this side. Yeah. Got a lot of things going for you, Zoe. Well, are you doing anything special for your birthday in these COVID times? Well, my sister did come to visit. Ooh, so yay. we're going to basically just go out to dinner with my sister. Nice. And that's it. So, which is fine. That's kind of like my style, especially since I have to work all day. That's my style of birthday. Honestly, that sounds great to me. (laughs) (laughs) Being with the people you really like and just doing something nice and a little bit luxurious, like perfect. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Well, speaking of luxurious things, um, shall we talk about a book? We shall talk about a book. (laughs) And the book that we are talking about today is Slightly Scandalous by Mary Balog, and that is Bedouin Saga number three. Yes. So we decided to start in the middle since there was no reason to start at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) And But yeah, so Mary Balog, we've had a lot of listeners recommend her. She's a new author for me. I believe she's a new author. Yeah, new author for Zoe. So... We've really wanted to get into one of her books, and so we decided to start with Freya Bedwin, which we'll talk about later. But first, because this is a new author, we need to tell you all about Mary Balog. So just so you know, she's got a really good website, and it's literally maryballog.com. Balog spelled B-A-L-O-G-H. So Mary Balog grew up in post-war Wales as Mary Jenkins, and she had a pretty idyllic childhood despite the hometown having been heavily bombed during the war, and she did grow up with rationing, but she had a really supportive family, and she also had a wonderful sister named Moira, who's two years older than her, and they were constant playmates. They both had a hard time convincing people who did not know them, that they were almost inseparable, yet never quarreled. I always quarreled with my sister, personally. (laughs) Um, They also had a few dolls, and the two of them would lie awake at night making up stories for them, and that was kind of what got that storytelling gene going with Mary. Um, She had a really great education, thanks to her parents, who emphasized the importance of school and career at a time when many people were still saying that education was wasted on girls. She was also fortunate to be young at a time when there was employment in almost any field. Uh, She decided to go into teaching and ended up going to Kipling, Saskatchewan, Canada on a two-year teaching contract. But at the end of her first year, she had a blind date with a man named Robert Balog. And she found a tall, sharply dressed, blue-eyed Adonis standing in her landlady's kitchen one fateful evening. And they were married a little over a year later. Aww. According to Mary, wanting to be an author is a dream. Wanting to be a teacher is a practical goal. 
the goal I could and did work toward. Then, of course, marriage and motherhood intervened to take more and more time off my hands. Their child was six years old when she felt she had enough time to take up an evening hobby riding. She was addicted to novels of Georgette Hare, who she had discovered only a few years before while working her way through a grade 11 reading list during maternity leave. Um, She cannot adequately explain how enchanted she was, how and transported into a world she had experienced before only through Jane Austen. Quote, I knew that if I ever wrote, it was that romantic world of Regency England that I wanted to recreate. Oh, that is really interesting. A fascinating life that she had, it sounds like. And I would I feel intrigued to go look at her website and learn more. You should. She tells you all about her kids and grandkids. And, you know, there's a lot of good information there. Plus, I'm not going to lie, this woman is a prolific writer. Hmm. She doesn't have her books organized just by like, you know, series and this and that. They're literally organized in what year they were published. And some years have like 10 books published. Oh my goodness. Like something Grace. ridiculous like that. It's not just like one or two books a year. There's like six books in a year. Like it's wild. Ooh, she's a prolific well, writer. So if this Mary book's go. not your cup of tea, she's got lots of other ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but today's book has a couple of main tropes, and those are enemies to lovers and a fake betrothal. Yes. Enemies to Lovers is a bit light. It's mainly about the fake betrothal, but there's a very strong dislike at the beginning. Very strong. I, it's totally Enemies to Lovers when you start, like literally from the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> Our main characters today are Lady Freya Bedwin and Joshua Moore, Marquess of Halmere. And we do have a trigger warning in this book. Some sexual assault is discussed. It's not discussed in detail, uh, and it's not in our synopsis. But if you do read this book, there is sexual assault of a minor. So shall we get into our synopsis? We shall. Lady Freya Bedwin and Joshua Moore, Marquess of Hallmere, meet in the conventional manner of romance novels. He busts into her room at an inn in the middle of the night and hides in her wardrobe from an angry father. They part. After he kisses her, she punches him in his face, and he is forced out the window when she screams, as she warned him she would. While this was rather an energetic beginning... Don't worry, friends. They shall meet again shortly. Both Freya and Josh are on their way to Bath. Freya is there to stay with a friend so she can avoid the birth of her neighbor's first child. She and he had been in love, but she rejected his suit to do the proper thing and marry his elder brother. Once the brother died, it was assumed he would honor the marriage between the families, but instead came home betrothed and quickly married. Thus, Freya is running from the happiness that she feels should have been hers. Josh, on the other hand, is in Bath to see his grandmother. He has been on the continent for five years, and now that the wars are over, he has returned to England as the Marquess of Halmere after the death of his uncle. He was not supposed to have inherited, but became the heir five years earlier after his cousin drowned one night. He did not have a good relationship with his uncle's family, having moved to the local village years before his cousin's death. Now he is living the life of a wanderer, avoiding his seat at Penhollow in Cornwall as best he can. 
Now that we have established the backstory, we get into our romance. Josh and Freya meet again at a park in Bath. Freya finds Josh about to kiss a serving girl and immediately intervenes, recognizing the same man who stole a kiss from her at the end. She punches him in the nose again and vows to ruin him if she sees him again. And then the following morning, the two run into each other at the pump house, where Freya delivers on her promise and gives him a very public setdown. However, it is then that she finds out that he is a Marquess, and Josh in turn finds out that Freya is indeed a lady and the sister of a duke. However, it turns out that not everything was as it appears, and Freya is left looking a little bit the fool. The two then proceed to banter and trade barbs through various meetings in Bath, while recognizing that they both have a desire to not fit in with convention and both enjoy a challenge. Things get interesting when Joshua's aunt arrives in Bath with his eldest cousin Constance in tow. She makes it quite clear that she is here to arrange a marriage between the cousins, something they both do not want. Josh tells Constance not to worry. He will not allow her mother to manipulate them into a marriage that suits no one but the dowager Lady Hallmare. As Freya and Josh dance together at a bath assembly, Josh asks Freya to pretend a betrothal with him in order to foil his aunt's plans. Freya, who has been bored in bath and took an instant dislike to Lady Hallmere, recklessly agrees. It is announced right then and there to all of bath society. The two are tickled pink with the idea that Lady Hallmere could be so easily outmaneuvered. However, all does not go as planned. Lady Hallmere does not back down, so Josh and Freya have to keep their ruse going for longer than desired. Quote, Ah, sweetheart, he said, I have made life difficult for you. You have indeed, she said. But I agreed to your mad scheme, and on the whole, I am not sorry. And on the whole, I am not sorry. This past week has been far less tedious than it would have been if we had not been betrothed. Indeed, it has been downright enjoyable. For me, too. He grinned at her. Things are further complicated when Freya's brother Wolfric, the Duke of Bedouin, appears in Bath. He had been informed of the betrothal, and one is wondering why he had to find out in a letter from Lady Holmere? Freya and Josh are then swept up in the events their betrothal created and eventually find themselves at Lindsay Hall, the seat of the Duke of Bedouin, and where Currently, all the Bedouin's siblings are in residence. Wolfric, who has been informed of the fake betrothal, tells Freya to not say anything to her siblings, so Josh gets to see the Bedouins in their natural environment. He thoroughly enjoys his time at Lindsay Hall. The siblings are all avid outdoors people. He and Freya find themselves in numerous challenges, all while getting to know each other better. The downside of going to Lindsay Hall is that Freya is forced to attend the christening of her former love's new son. This event is hard for her, and Josh notices this pretty quickly. While he just assumed it was because she felt she was missing out due to the death of the eldest brother, she confides that she had held a tender for the brother. All these confessions take place in an old gamekeeper's cottage where, of course, clothes soon fly. Freya and Josh have been flirting and getting to know each other, and finally the sexual tension just boils over. We have our first encounter, which is explosive, but sadly, all too brief. Quote, What followed was more like a wrestling match than lovemaking. He had no idea how long it lasted. He only knew that somehow he held on to some measure of control until she cried out and shuddered in a, into a powerful release. After this encounter, things start to get a bit more interesting. 
Joshua receives a letter from his steward at Penhollow informing him that his aunt has found a witness to say that Josh killed his cousin five years ago in order to gain the title. While Josh plans to go deal with this issue by himself, Freya is outraged and insists on accompanying him, thus extending their betrothal even more. Quote, she had made the impulsive, mad decision to accompany him here, and now she had been drawn inextricably into his life. They are also accompanied by a few siblings, and Josh is a bit moved to have such an exalted family in his corner. After all, no one can deliver a set-down with a smile like a Bedouin. Their arrival at Penhollow is a surprise to Josh's aunt, but she's not finished with her schemes. It takes a little time for Josh to tell his aunt that he is aware of the allegations against him, but he also informs her that he has decided to plan a ball for everyone in the area. And by everyone, he means everyone. <laughs> and Freya spends her time at Penn Hollow getting to know this new Josh. From the moment she met him, she figured he was a careless rogue. Now he's proving not only to be a thoughtful but responsible man, who is liked by all. While they are still planning to end their betrothal as soon as the charges of murder can be dealt with, Freya and Josh do take some time to have a couple encounters. Quote, It was the moment at which Freya realized fully what grave peril she was in. Every minute was revealing more and more of his humanity to her. This morning at breakfast, he had been bold and forthright, a hint of ruthlessness behind his courtesy and his smile. She might have been able to resist that man. Now he was full of warmth and laughter and concern for the friendship of people Frey did not normally consider worthy of notice. It was a strangely shameful realization. This man was altogether harder to resist. He was so very different from any other man of her class and acquaintance. Josh is also finding Freya Bedwin more and more his ideal woman. She is courageous, and even though she comes off as haughty, she is not dismayed by his familiarity with those lower in rank than himself. While he was not ever seriously considering marriage, he is finding it harder and harder to come up with reasons that they should not make this betrothal real. As far as the murder of Josh's cousin, Albert, all is revealed at the ball thrown at Penhollow. It turns out that he did in fact drown. Josh and him argued about Albert's rape of one of their governesses who gave birth to a child from the encounter. However, Josh oversaw his cousin get safely to shore that night and then left. Turns out Albert was then confronted by his sister Chastity, who knew all that he had done and told him he better leave and never come back. Albert, who was just getting out of the ocean when he was confronted, turned back around and went back out swimming and then later drowned. <laughs> This is all revealed to the magistrate, who says they can put the whole thing behind them. As far as he is concerned, he heard nothing and just had a great night at a ball with his wife. Joshua makes it clear to his aunt that she can remove herself from the property and promises his cousins that he will support them in all their decisions from here on out. Freya and Josh also finally have their reckoning with confessions of love. They decide to become betrothed for real. Quote, what poppycock, he said. Do you not trust me to say the truth to you, Freya? I say that I love you, that I adore you, that I can imagine no greater happiness than to spend the rest of my life loving you and laughing and quarreling and even fighting with you. I trust you to say what is true to me. You have said that you love me, that of course you love me. Does that include the wish to marry me, to live with me all your life, to have babies with me and fun with me, to share the sorrows of life with me and all its joys? And after such proclamations, the two are married at Lindsay Hall with all of Freya's family present, and they lived happily ever after. Well, 
What a rollicking ride that one was. Yes, it was. So we have lots to talk about. But first, shall we adjourn to the parlor? We shall. So today we are once again talking about the historical romance retreat, which is happening in September and October of 2022. So one year away from now. As a reminder, it's a fabulous event where you get to step back in time with your favorite authors. There you get to join some of the world's most celebrated authors of historical romance coming together for an intimate gathering that gives every guest a chance to mingle and play. You can come as you are or dress in your favorite era to enjoy historical foods, games, and music, all while surrounded by the glamour of a hotel that was once enjoyed by the elite. And registration is open now, and registration is limited only to about 300 and something attendees, so you'll want to reserve your tickets while they are still available. And if you can't make it to the whole event, there is something that everyone can come to for free. Yes, that is the Great Book Exhibition on October 1st. Uh, The Great Book Exhibition is a book signing and historical fair open to the public, a chance to purchase books and have them signed by your favorite authors. Lots of free goodies and fun. This is an event you will not want to miss. And the whole retreat runs from September 28th to October 2nd. And as we said, the Great Book Exhibition is on October 1st. And you can find out more at bit.ly slash HRR 2022. And if you'd like to find more about us, you can find us on our social media, Instagram and Twitter at T is in Tom and is in Nancy Strumpets. Facebook slash T and Strumpets, and YouTube by searching our name. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, now is a great time to click that thumbs up and hit subscribe before you forget. Liking and commenting on our videos and subscribing to our channel is a really wonderful way to let us know that you like what we're doing. And if you'd like to know ahead of time what we're reading each month, you can subscribe to our email notifications via our website. If you do subscribe, you'll be the first to know what we're reading each month. Plus, you'll get all sorts of extras, including exclusive content from each of the authors who join us on the podcast. And next week, we have an author joining us, and she's already sent us her extras, and they're so good. So if you were thinking about signing up, now's a great time to do it. Woo, woo, woo. Sign, sign, sign. (laughs) And that website is romancepod.com, and there you can find episodes, more information about us, and other resources. So take a look. Welcome to Puffcast, your bi-weekly Harry Potter podcast, run by Puffs. I'm Melanie. And I'm Juliana. Do you like Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts? Oh, yes. Oh, good. Are you looking for a fun, stress-free place to just have a good conversation, play some silly games, and hear from some great guests? Yes, please tell me more. Oh boy, well then this podcast is for you! We would like to invite you to join our happy common room. 
Get comfy, have some pizza, make new friends and be part of the conversation. All houses are welcome. You can find podcasts every other Wednesday on all platforms where podcasts are found. So we'll see you in the common room. And until then, stay puffy and badger on. All right, Zoe. So our first Mary Balog. What do we think? General impressions and thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I I really did not like this book. That's okay. And there it's interesting now knowing that she really loved Georgette Hare and um Jane Austen. Um, and that was like her her introduction to this and this the to the genre because the writing did felt like a little more old school to me which was fine that didn't that that wasn't the reason that I didn't enjoy a lot of this um but yeah I actually to be honest really thought I wasn't going to finish this book. I really thought this was going to be the first book for the podcast that I was going to come read the synopsis cuz you were writing it and I was going to be like yeah I didn't finish this one. Oh well, I will say about half the book takes place in Bath and it's very will they won't they and it just takes <sighs> forever. I mean, Zoe's like, oh, we're in Bath. We're doing the thing. I can't be that far. And I'm like, oh, we've got so much more coming. <laughs> but it's all going to take place in the last like third of the book. <laughs> no, for sure. And I will say it, in this case, it was great that I did persevere and keep going because the last third of the book almost feels like a different book. It does. There's, there's it just has so much more life to it. The first like part of the book where the characters meet, it's just literally so tedious. And the characters to me feel like caricatures. There is some payoff at the end. And I really like, like, literally, there's some payoff from both of the characters in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, the first scene, Freya punches um, Josh in the face, and she punches him again. And then at the end of the book, she gets to punch the um, the dowager. The and she's like, Actually, oh, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> and, and she, she would, her line is something to the effect of like, I was hoping she would give me a reason to do that. Yes. <laughs> like, and she had a good reason. It's like the aunt slaps her across the face and then she yeah. throws like a right hook and it's like, yeah. she's like, yes, vindicated. <laughs> yeah. She was just waiting, biding her time. So like that was a great payoff. And also the kind of, so when Freya you know, goes to ruin the Marquess. She just like barges ahead with this, um, you know, really like hot headed moment. And, and it turns out that she didn't have all the facts. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of, you know, dies on her own sword and he comes out looking a little bit better for it and kind of basically doesn't have to say much. She's basically gotten herself into the mm -hmm. the whole trouble. And that's exactly how he gets out of the murder charges at the end, too. He tells a couple people who he trusts that this is coming up against him. And then when the uh, the the accuser comes to the ball, and we didn't have it in the synopsis, but the accuser comes to the ball and he says, I, me and these five guys saw it happen, he killed him. And then a whole bunch of the villagers to say, well, they're lying because I saw it happen and that's not what I saw. And so everyone steps up for him. And, um, you know, 
no one will believe this other guy. And it really, he has the, the line to Freya where he says something about like, you know, sometimes it's better to just let your enemies die on their own sword, you know, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, okay, like this is actually, that was the most interesting thing to me of the whole book of like not going and like creating this crazy convoluted thing, but just literally like, we're just going to expose them for what they are and let the truth sing here, you know? Yeah, it it was a really good moment. And I like that. It's so funny because for how long the first half was, I was like, oh man, this murder charge is going to get all kinds of wonky and it's just going to go forever and it's going to be a lot of drama. And it's literally like, nope, dealt Mm -hmm. with. (laughs) Yeah. But it also inspires a lot of other things, you know, where you do get closure on what exactly happened to Albert and... You know, and it's not what you expect. It's not at all what you expect. And I think that it shows, you know, I'm almost more interested in his cousins, like mm-hmm, in their for lives. Sure. I mean, we kind of know the oldest cousin's love story based on yeah. the book, but and we know the youngest cousin's love story too. Yeah. So they're just the middle one where I want to see what the heck she does. And I have I have issues with how she ends up at the end, but we can talk about that a little bit later. So you didn't say what you thought of this book, though. Um, well, a lot of it was I found the beginning, like, long to get into. I will say that I really appreciated the author's commitment to the emotional development of the characters without there being, like, some, you know, lightning bolt moment where they just suddenly change their behavior, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not like someone had to be on their deathbed for them to realize, I need to change my ways. It was done through, like, they had very honest conversations with each other, and they got to know each other, and they had (laughs) feelings for each other. I don't know. Freya was denying things so much left and right. It made me irritated. I mean, oh, she was. And I just like, I mean, even at the end, she was like, we can't marry. And he's like, why not? And she's like, because like, basically, she was afraid of losing the friend. She like, she was afraid of losing love. Like, she was afraid of being heartbroken again. And that's why she didn't want to like, commit to him. It just it wasn't. It was like the lady doth protest too much. It just it didn't it didn't work for me. But okay, continue. So they had other conversations that were open and honest. That's true. And they did. And I mean, to be fair, like, yeah, she was like, I protest too much. But she was honest in the sense like even at the end, she's like, I love you, but I can't marry you. He's like, what? That's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. I think that lady Freya is absolutely the definition of an unlikable heroine. Oh, 100%. I will say this. I actually did not appreciate the fact that she was, like, so bloodthirsty to hit someone, mainly because, like, I've never had any desire to hit someone, ever. Mm -hmm. And so for this woman to be like, yeah, she can throw a punch, great, but she's, like, so ready to punch people. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Like, that just seems unnecessary. (laughs) Yeah, but I would say that some of the writing of her did not do her justice. Um, because I actually really like there were some things about her that I really, really liked where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like she is this kind of she's she's not 
she's not the greatest person. Like she's kind of vindictive and she's jealous and she is envious and she uses her station to kind of get what she wants a little bit. And Mm -hmm. yet slowly, begrudgingly over the book, she realizes all these bad things about herself and she tries to do good, but she doesn't want anybody to know that she's doing good. And yeah, I loved that part. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> well, but that's what I mean is like Josh looks at her and he's like, you're a softie at heart. She's like, no, I'm not. I mean, like, yeah, but it's but I also liked that she was able to see him in the environment with the villagers and even with his cousin Prue, who we didn't get into in the synopsis. Mm-hmm. But she is. I don't know. She's got some mental disabilities but Mm -hmm. it's not really said exactly what those are like yeah they just to say like Prue is 18 but she'll never not be a child so it's like almost like some developmental delays but she's like very aware of what's going on yeah she's we can talk about her maybe a little bit later in our feminist recap because there's some definitely some things I think that made me a little uh hesitate with her Mm mm-hmm But maybe we should get into our individual hero and heroine talk. Should we start with Freya? Yeah, let's start with Freya. Because we already started. And like I said, I really kind of liked that about her. Her first scene where where Josh barges into her room and she just, out, out, out. (laughs) Like, that's very memorable. I like that. But there's just a lot of... There's a lot of just like blah, like I literally wrote things like blah, tedious, 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 just they seemed to me like perfect for each other because they honestly didn't deserve anybody else at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the book definitely gave us richer characters at the end, but like there, a lot of the dialogue at the beginning was just meh and I I really did not enjoy Freya until really close to the end. Like, mm-hmm. and I would how about you? I would say that too. Like, I kind of wasn't just. I mean, again, I really wasn't interested in either one of them. Like, mm-hmm. Josh was very superficial, and Freya was just like complaining about like needing to avoid her neighbor because he's all happy and she can't deal with that. Because, like, she understands why he did it and, like, they didn't have an understanding and she get why he didn't. But at the same time, too, she's like, the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she's kind of hiding. And then at the same time, she's bored. So then she's like, well, let's, like, stir the pot because I'm bored. Which yeah. isn't great, you know? Yeah, so then are you ready to already give Freya a rating? Yeah. I'll give her a rating. What, what would you give her? Or do you oh. want me to go? Uh, go ahead. Why don't you go first? So I'm going to give Freya a four. Okay. I, if we say five is take them or leave them, I definitely would like to leave her. I Like I said, there are some interesting things about her character, and I like that she's an unlikable heroine. I like that she is a softie at heart, but kind of just wants to keep up the pretenses. I'm okay with that. And then it's like she wants to keep up the 
the the reputation, but actually moving forward, she's not going to be as kind of catty as she's known for. And I'm okay with that. I'm just like, she's just who she is and Mm -hmm. she's different. That part I like. But would I wish her upon any of my friends? Absolutely not. Like (laughs) I could, I would enjoy sitting around like and having tea with this woman. She would be interesting, but I just would not want her to be married to one of my friends for my friends. (laughs) So yeah, no, I, so I give her a four. Okay. I'm higher. Mm -hmm. I'll give her a six. Like I didn't have like a visceral dislike to her. Like she was not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time too, I kind of, I thought there was more depth to her towards the end. And I appreciated that little insight into the depth of her. And I wish like we could have gotten a little bit more of that throughout the entire book. That's fair. I think that she definitely developed in the last third. Like I think that there was a character in the last third that there really wasn't in the first third. Mm -hmm. And they didn't feel that like they didn't feel connected. And I feel the same way, to be honest, about Josh. Like I feel like his the first the the first Josh you meet and the last Josh you meet, like are very different. And yet, as a reader of this genre, I knew immediately when he's like, "Yes, sweetheart," and blah, 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 you know whatever he said to her all the time. I was just like, "Okay, there's a lot more to this guy than just being a rake." We know he's got a soft heart under there. Like we get it. Yeah. But I just like hated all the dialogue for him in the beginning. Ugh. Yeah. I agree. Like, I really, again, like, I think Freya got more depth at the end. And then Josh really, like, blossomed into the flower that he was. Like, mm-hmm. at the beginning, you're like, he just was very superficial and very, like, again, there wasn't a lot of depth, but there was also just a superficial quality to him where even when he was the one speaking, I didn't quite feel like I understood him. Mm-hmm. Like versus when Freya was speaking, I could get like I saw her, you know, I didn't necessarily like her, but I saw her versus with him. I kind of had a hard time getting a read on him. But at the end, he was such an interesting guy and he was really complex and he had a lot of layers and he was also a much more caring individual than he wanted anyone to let on and a more responsible individual, too. Like. When he meets the villagers, they're all telling Freya what an amazing person he is. And she's just looking at him like, aren't you the Marquess that didn't want to go home to his seat and was happy to just let his steward do the job? But didn't you also feel that like that just felt so disconnected? Like it really did feel like you were reading two different characters rather than someone who's hiding it. Like I felt like that was kind of a a poor – a disservice to this character. I think that it was not as nuanced as it should have been in the beginning. Like it should have been like a little bit toned down because he, he just, he just seemed like two different people and that was too bad because I liked the person at the end. Yeah. Agreed. I think that if there had been moments with like the grandma where she was like, Oh, don't play that act with me, sir. Like Mm -hmm. I know you're over there. Like protect or like when, like a dialogue between after Freya gives him the set down with the serving girl, you know, she could have been like, well, of course you were helping her out. That's just in your nature. You know, if if it just been alluded to that, that was more in his nature than just the rogue who kisses stray women, (laughs) then you would have had a little bit more understanding of who he was at the end of the book. Yeah. And so 
yeah, just overall, he just, I felt like he was two characters and not a fully realized creation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um I, that that's a quote from something else so you know i i i just uh i often say a fully realized creation um <laughs> in reference to that but anyhow um the the point is that i am ready to rate josh i am as well you want to go first this time yeah i'm just gonna rate him slightly higher than freya i'm gonna give him a seven what really kelsey are you sure you liked him you thought he was good seven is like good right I really liked the Josh at the end. Okay, fair enough. That's Excuse your, that's my your alarm, everybody. <laughs> <sighs> totally. Okay, fair, 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 fair. He's a four from me. I wouldn't wish him upon anybody. Oh, God, that's probably not true. I wish him at the end upon many people. See, He's cool and good. But, but see, he, but that's what I mean is like you're giving him a four, but you're like, I did. Okay, I liked him at the end, but he's still a four. I'm like, but, I'm going to throw out the Josh I didn't like at the beginning and just take the Josh at the end because I at the can't. end, that's the person. But at the end, that's the person. That's the growth. <sighs> that's the arc. We have to take what we get towards the end of the book, not just the beginning. We can factor the beginning in, but we have to acknowledge what happens at the end. Okay, but there's something that happens at the end that I think goes against him. And okay. it kind of is going to wrap into our feminist recap, and so I'll bring it I'll bring it to the table then. But I'm going to stick with my four. Okay. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, but our next segment is not our feminist recap. It is no. our favorite quotes. Yes. Okay, I have one down. I will say there was a lot of good passages in this book. Like, I highlighted a lot of things, but there wasn't any that were really, like, super standouty to me. So this is the one I've okay. chosen. Because Great. I felt like this is where we're getting a bit more of that emotional connection between the characters. This quote is from On the Way to Pen Hollow. So we're, like, getting some excitement in here. <laughs> yes. So, quote, For no reason she could fathom, and without at all intending to, she sought his hand with her own and held it firmly. He laced his fingers with hers and gripped so tightly she felt pain. Normally she would have reprimanded him sharply or tried to outgrip him, but she sat quietly and made no protest at all. Hmm. That's a nice moment between the two of them. Yeah. So my quote is earlier in the book. It is when their first meeting, uh, Lady Halmer, or sorry, the Dowager uh, Halmer, Dowager Countess. What is she? I can't remember. Whatever the Marquisette. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever the the wife of a Marquess is. (laughs) Oh, the Marchioness. Marchioness. There we go. Guys, this is a night recording. We're both a little different than usual. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, this is the this is their first impression. Um, so this is describing the Marchioness. She clung to his arm as if she were too frail to stand alone. She smiled sweetly and spoke in a sort of high-pitched whine, affected by ladies who fancied themselves permanently indisposed. In Freya's experience, they almost invariably outlived all their more robust relatives and drove them near to insanity while they still lived. And that was so good. That was so That's it was a great so, quote. 
Oh my gosh, I was like, there we go. That is fabulous. That's so observant of Freya. Like she immediately gets the number of this woman. She's like, this woman's like a fraud and like gonna (laughs) cause trouble, like all those things. So I I really liked that. Although I do see here a couple pages later, I have a note on page 100 that I just want to share. This is my feelings as I'm reading the book. I wrote, I don't think there has been anything of importance yet at this point of the book. They've met, quarreled, realized they have sexual attraction. Neither wants to marry. And so far, they have no reason. They have, despite multiple occasions where they have been alone and discovered slash known. Like, they've been together. They've been alone. People know they've been alone. And then I was like, but what's the point here? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's what's going on? The point is, uh, that's how I was feeling 100 pages in. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so our next one is the steaminess rating and our encounter counter. Well, I think we might have different steaminess ratings, but what was our encounter counter? Our encounter counter was three solids. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. <laughs> How was the tea for you? Uh, you know, it wasn't great. Mm. It was warm, but it wasn't – the flavor was off. Yeah, um, I think they forgot to serve me mine. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, actually, I, th- I think I think you're right. I- I'm kind of being silly. I think that the 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 writing of the encounters. I, I actually really loved how like rapid the first one was. Like mm-hmm. they literally couldn't keep their hands off each other, and then it just like happened, and yeah. they both kind of were like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I, I thought that that was an interesting thing. Like that was a point of interest to me, but. Um, it just wasn't, yeah, like, honestly, I was like, kind of skipping through it because I just didn't, I didn't care about them. See, and sometimes when there's no chemistry for you, like, or you don't love the characters, like, the, it doesn't matter how steamy it is. I don't know. See, for me, it was actually the writing of the scenes. Like, I was getting, uh, I could get into it, but then there'd be like, like a sentence in there that just made me cringe and I was like mm. and like ice cold water on top of me <laughs> yeah fair enough um I maybe it was good then I was skimming a little bit <laughs> yeah no it's just this like certain phrasing about like Josh's feelings in the matter or like his thought process in the matter i don't know it was written a bit more old school status and it just it was just a much more old school um writing of a scene like that and so it just was like it didn't quite do it for me like i said it was warm like i could get into it and then there'd be like a sentence and i'd be like and nope (laughs) yeah i'm i understand that (laughs) But now we're on to the thing I've been kind of alluding to, and it's our feminist recap. Yes, um, it is our feminist recap. <laughs> what What did you think about this book? So it was really interesting because Freya's character makes you want to think feminist mm-hmm. based on how she is and the siblings. And she comes from a family where, like, the girls do all the things the guys do. You know, and mm-hmm. so and Josh, Josh is caring really for his cousins. Yeah. And, you know, encouraging them and like wanting to uplift them. But there'd be moments. I also really hate when like it's hard for me for a book to be truly feminist when like the main villain is 
like an aunt and is like so atrocious to her daughters. Yeah. Because I'm just like, because that's just so anti-feminist. And it's like, yes, maybe other, like, I, I don't know, because it'd be like, it could be, re- it could be uplifted if, say, like, the other females, like, help rectify the situation. But I didn't really feel like there was that. Yeah, I think that, so for me, I, I agree with all those things. I think that, like, I don't know. I'm trying to be a better feminist by just like looking at things differently and thinking about intersectional feminism, not just like women helping women, right? Like mm-hmm. like all of the the people and just kindness. And sometimes I feel like feminist recap doesn't even quite encapsulate, but I had a couple big issues with this book. Mm-hmm. I do believe exactly what you said, which is that like Freya is written to be a feminist character, right? Like she's kind of like going against the grain, standing up for herself. She's a strong, independent woman who doesn't need a man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think like on the surface, like that's what they were going for. I think the execution failed miserably. Yeah. I have 15 passages that I highlighted in orange to signify that this was talking about how ugly Freya was. Oh, God. They go on and on and on about it. It's yeah. just like, it's like, okay, we get it. She's got a big nose. Like, <laughs> And then when he finally decides that he finds her attractive and like, so one thing is his first impression this morning was that she was ugly. This is literally a sentence in the book. And then we're at the end of the book and he's at page 329. He caught his breath. When had he started to think of her as beautiful? She was not, was she? But to him, she was lovelier than any woman he had ever set eyes upon. I'm like, no, that's not it. Like, that's that's not it. I'm sorry. Like, nice try, but no. Um, <laughs> and there were a couple other things that I found really difficult. So this the youngest cousin, Prue, um, who is the one with mental disabilities, was sexually assaulted by her brother. So mm-hmm. we have incest and the mother refuses to see it. And like, yes, you could say like the mom not defending her daughters is horrible, but I also think like that can be a real thing. And then the daughter emerging from that, the grasp is the feminist moment. But the middlest daughter decided to go live with her mother at the end of this. Yeah. And like, even Josh was like, he's not exactly sure why she chose that. He gave, he was like, I'll support you. You can live here. You can live with Constance. Like, you don't have to go live with her. And she's like, no, I'm going to go live with her. And also the go- governess who had been raped by Al- Albert, mm-hmm. uh, the, the original heir, um, was invited to the ball and um, Josh like went to her house and personally, um, it, quote, Joshua had called upon her personally to urge her to accept her invitation. Yes, please return to the scene of your rape. Why don't you just come here into this place where you were traumatized? It's like, I'm going to come as the Marquess who supports you and personally ask you to come to my ball. I'm like, Ugh. like, this is this is not okay to me. So I just like and then we're going to come right back around to the ugly thing. We've talked about this in an old episode before or in another episode before. If you have an ugly duckling, they have to emerge from the chrysalis at the end believing in who they are. Yeah. And at the end, Josh says, "Have I ever told you how beautiful you are?" he asked. 
And she replies, what nonsense, she said. What utter nonsense, Josh. It is the dress and the hat and all the fur and the color. Aunt Rochester advised me to wear white, and she was quite correct in her judgment. It is just the clothes. He laughed. I'll have to take them off you later tonight then, he said. All of them, every stitch of them, just to see just to see if you are still beautiful without them. I'll wager you are. If you ever tell me lies, she said, looking at him severely, I will knock your teeth down your throat, Josh. I swear I will. It's like, she doesn't believe it. And and his words just fall flat to me I, because of all of the other things where he's like, she can't be beautiful. Like, I'm just like, ugh. I agree. I think that was overhyped. Like, for me, I just... You know, I skipped over those moments. I didn't like they don't have that kind of reaction to me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, which is fine. But I agree with that in the sense like it was overdone. It's like we discussed it. And again, I agree. Like if we're going to keep seeing like the ugly chrysalis, like, you know, the ugly duckling needs to become the swan at the end, even if it's just inside. Inside, she feels like a swan. Like even if she knows like and it's interesting because almost at the beginning, like Freya has a more accepting attitude. She's like, yeah, I've got like this, I've got the family nose. It sucks. Like, but like, I can't change it. So why let it bother me? You know what I mean? Like there was that moment at the beginning, but then it's like, it kind of got like thrown away. Yeah. Well, and and I want to just mention one thing about Prue, you know, if we're talking about uh, intersectional feminism and we're talking about a person with disabilities, right? And so mm-hmm. I think, again, she was written with the intent of, you know, with with good intent, because there's a quote here um, that I'm going to read where it says, poor girl, Freya said, her mother is not at all fond of her, is she? One need never use the word poor to describe Prue, he said. This is Josh speaking. We tend to view those with physical and mental abilities different from the norm as pitiful creatures with handicaps or disabilities. We talk about cripples and idiots. We view them from our own limited perspective. I once knew a blind person whose sense of wonder at the world put my own limited perceptions to shame. Prue is happy and bubbling over with love, both attributes that many of us allow to lapse with our childhoods. In what sense is she disabled or handicapped or poor. So like there is where I think like the the intent and the spirit, mm-hmm. but then I also think the ambiguity of her disability and her sexual abuse at the hands of her brother made me really wonder at the decision to let her get married to the fisherman that she felt something for. Yes, I think that was really interesting, especially because it was framed like marriage, you know, and in all and babies. Yeah, yeah. So like, that was really interesting. Although and there was a moment that we didn't highlight, which was the sense that like, people had been educating Prue about like, because she's 18 now. Mm -hmm. And so the former governess and like her sisters, they're all telling her what are good kisses? What are bad kisses? What is okay? What is not okay? You know? Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that they took the time to educate her. I mean, like, and then towards the end, you get the history of like what happened before. And so, you know, that's kind of, but knowing that is challenging for the future. But at the same time too, I feel like that I don't know. It was interesting, too, because at the same time, too, I felt like the guy's mother was there and, like, really took her into the wing. Like, and I think that Prue would be very happy there, but I guess it's kind of like, what type of marriage are they actually having, you know? Well, 
And what is her actual disability? Like, what does she really know that she's like, how much? And I think just as a, a reader in today's world, knowing what trauma she's been through, of course, I want her to have a happily ever after. Of course, I think she deserves whatever happily ever after she wants. And this is the one she chooses and they support her in that. Mm-hmm. But there just, to me, was like a little moment of, of just, I guess, like concern or, or I just felt uncomfortable because I wasn't sure if this was the the best situation for her. But again, it's the one she chose and they supported her in that. And that that's good. I think just we don't have all the facts here and maybe I just need to be happy for her and, and not be worried. But it definitely gave me kind of a moment of pause. So I wanted to bring it up. That's fair. Well, those were all my uh, feminist recap points. And because of that, although I believe that the author absolutely set out with the intent to write a very positive feminist book, I think it fell flat and I actually think it's an offender. I'll go with you with that. I totally don't believe that's her intent. I no, think I think there was a lot of moments that like really pushed that feminist. Like you felt it in those moments. And I love I love the unlikable heroine thing. And I actually think that at the end, Freya is really interesting and mm-hmm. cool. Um, it's that's not why I think it's an offender. I think it's the it's the beauty stuff, it's the rape, you know, victim coming back to her site, et cetera. So I already yeah. said the things. Um so that's that's just where I fall on that. That's okay. But what do we think about the book as a whole? Mm. It is interesting because it was a, I thought it was an interesting book to reflect on and to talk about. I agree. I think there was a lot, despite the plot having some slow moments, I think that overall, and this is my impression of it, overall, I want to pick up another one. I agree. I think this probably wasn't the best choice for us as our first one, and I don't want to judge like all of Mary Balog on this book because I had qualms with it. I yeah. I liked enough of it that I would like to try some more for sure. Yeah, and I also think that as far as a book with siblings in it, like I'm I want to know more about the other siblings. Like we got to meet some and we got to like really get to know them. Mm-hmm. I want to see what happens with them. Like I want to For sure. I want to really kind of learn a little bit more. I want to know about the youngest Morgan, I want to learn about the the single brother still. I want to see what happens with like Wolf, the like haunty mm-hmm. duke that even the family's like mm, <laughs> the duke. <laughs> yeah. So, I think for me though this book is going to get a low rating because it is not a book I would recommend because I don't think it's feminist and because I really didn't have fun with the first two thirds. Mm-hmm. I think it makes for interesting conversation. Um and there's I think like some some actually like interesting exercises in characterization and bringing things around. Anyhow, I still am going to give this a four because if I was going to take it or leave it, I'm going to leave it. And if you read it, I would be, if someone I knew read it, I would be like, oh, well, you want to talk about it? But I, I wouldn't recommend it. That's fair. See, I'm at a five. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I can take it or leave it. Like I did get into it. It took a while to get into it. Like it's definitely one that I would need to like set out. (laughs) Like I wish I'd known I kind of had to like set out for the slog. Yeah. (laughs) It's one thing when you know it starts slow and it's like, it's okay. It's going to pick up. Like I've been informed. It's going to pick up, you know, but then 
it's another thing when you just like don't know you're like Ugh, are we getting like what's happening are we undone <laughs> yeah. yet is this the interesting part like oh my god i'm only 20 percent of the way through what do you mean <laughs> seriously um but at the same time too i think i i did like the writing um i think that the ending for me really like i thought the ending really picked up and agreed like it does feel like a different book Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think there was just a lot more layers into the back half of the book that I thought worked for me and I think that at the same time too like this isn't one that I would highly suggest someone read especially if they are new to romance or Mm -hmm. like looking for a story to sweep them away I don't think this would be a recommendation however I think that if it's someone who has read a lot of romance and they just like haven't read the Bedouin series I can be like oh well I've read a Bedouin like it wasn't the best thing in the world, but the characters are interesting, you know? Yeah. The, like, the world is interesting yeah. and the characters are interesting. And, and like, obviously there's, there's good writing in there. I think that, um, I just think that the first two thirds of the book just like, doesn't do the last third of the book justice, which I think the last third of the book makes me exactly want to do that is read more and, you know, um, see, see what else that there is out there. And I think that that's normal in, in a, I'm sure a writer's career, but also in just a series, like some books are going to be more successful than others. Absolutely. And I think that, again, this is a book that I wasn't turned off to not read the rest of the series. And I think for me, that's what gives it a five to me, knowing that it is a series and that it's supposed to intrigue me into reading the next book for like the next sibling. And I would say it did that for me. Like I want to read about the next sibling. (laughs) I'm probably going to think about Freya a lot. I think she's a really interesting exercise in writing a heroine. Mm -hmm. There's something about her that's probably going to stick with me. So I don't know what that says, but it says something. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, Kelsey, what are we reading next time? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) We already did. (laughs) Yeah. We've already read all the books uh, because we are actually speaking with Julie Ann Long. She's here. We've only been talking about her since the day of this podcast, the day this podcast aired. And we finally get to sit down with the author herself and talk all about Pennyroyal, her The Palace of Rogues and her upcoming books, as well as just getting to know her. It was so fun, and I really can't wait to share this awesome conversation with you guys in a couple of weeks. Yes. So thank you all so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. That is how we get found. And join us next time for our interview with Julie Ann Long. And may all your ever afters end happily. Happily.